I want you to cast your mind back for a second to your first time, your first experience of corporate worship. wonder what it looked like. wonder what it sounded like. wonder how long ago it was. Maybe for some of us, it could have been decades ago. For some of us, it could have been just literally a few minutes ago. Maybe this is your first week with us. For some of us, it could have been the other side of the world. And for some of us, it could have been right here in this room. But for, for me growing up, my, my parents took me along to church for as long as I can remember since being a, a wee little baby, uh, which literally means I have been in hundreds of times of uh, sung worship. So I've got a good few memories um, growing up of a few of my experiences, and uh, most of these were a mix of two things. Right? The first things, um, worship led by two electronic organs. Okay, and not the kind of cool German techno type of organ either, the proper old school, massive thing. And the organ players used to just not face us, the congregation, they would face the wall or face each other, which I always think was a bit weird. But they would bash through the same hymns week in, week out. They'd start a song, we'd kind of all stand up and we'd do our best to carry on with this song. They'd finish the song and you guessed it, we'd sit down. And kind of like a real naff version of karaoke, but for Christians. Uh, and the next week, there'd be more, the more kind of sort of contemporary, you know, realize why I'm doing this in a minute, the contemporary guys with the acoustic guitars, and they were much more kind of experimental than the organ guys, don't know if you can relate to this, they were a bit more of a kind of anyone and everyone kind of approach, so if you'd started playing your laugh, and if you started learning the, the violin that week, they would get you on the stage that Sunday, they were a lovely bunch, and my personal, my favorite memory of worship growing up has to be Dr. Bob a.k.a. Dr. Flute. Now, Dr. Flute took fluting very... I don't know if fluting is a thing, but fluting very, very seriously. He had many flutes of various shapes and sizes and colors. And one of our favorite memories during the song, How Great Thou Art, the hymn that we all know is sung all over the world. There's a line in that song that says, When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. Dr. Bob would reenact the sound of the birds singing sweetly in the trees. Another one of my favorite memories was the hallelujah lady. So most churches have one hallelujah lady. It's always a lady, and sometimes, more than often, they're Scottish. Ours was Scottish. And she would shout hallelujah at different moments in the, in, in the service, much to everyone's surprise and amazement. Uh, when things were really kicking off in worship, you'd have the birds singing sweetly in the trees at the same time as the hallelujah they're going for it, much at the, um, well, I should say the laughter of the youth sitting on the back row, which was me. The birds and the hallelujah lady. And then um, so once a year, they'd let us have a turn. You know, with a youth band when, you know, we'd give them one Sunday a year so they could do their thing. And we'd crank our amps up nice and loud and sing, I want to be a history maker on repeat time and time again. That's my experience of corporate worship. Why am I telling you this, these silly little stories? But for me, this is genuinely what I thought corporate worship was. Dr. Dr. Flute and his flute solos. Um, history maker on repeat. One minute we stand up. One minute we sit down. The kind of place that really, if, we'd, if you'd raised your hands in worship, if you'd kind of lifted your voice, and the whole room would kind of look at you as if you were weird. And to be honest, it was just kind of a repetitive routine, which felt much more like a, a duty to endure rather than something like an encounter to enjoy. To be honest, it wasn't something I was looking forward to. I never looked forward really to going to church. And it wasn't something I really wanted to do at home. Remember Dave last week talked about individual worship, kept saying, guys, do this at home. This is wonderful. This kind of worship was not really very exciting for me. I didn't want to do it at home. I didn't feel an urge to do it by myself. And that was pretty much my experience of uh, corporate worship until I came here. New community about 12 years ago, arrived on Avery Hill campus as a student. And this might be your experience right now. Maybe you've just arrived and you sort of come into this place expecting to see pews and songbooks and hymns and organs like I was. And... 
See, for me, I was, I was a Christian. I, I loved Jesus. I'd made a commitment to follow Jesus. I just didn't understand this, this thing called worship. I didn't know what to do in a worship time. I didn't really know if, how, how I could express myself. I didn't really know if it was okay to express myself. If I was to express myself, would the youth on the back row have a little chuckle at my expense? I didn't really know if God was listening or not. I thought worship was kind of about me and my songs and my routine. So the Bible paints a very different picture of what happens when the church gather and worship. Just, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump to 2 Chronicles, chapter 5, 13 and 14. We don't spend much time in Chronicles, do we? It should come on the screen behind me. It says, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals and other instruments, singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It's a picture for us, a helpful picture of what happens when the, the body of Christ, God's people, join together to praise him. As they focus on him, as they focus on his goodness and how great he was, the presence of God came in such a way that the writers could, could only use the word like a cloud to really describe what was going on. They were basically saying that the presence of God was so thick in that room, so evident, so manifest, that everybody in that place knew about it. Even the guys running the meeting, the, the stewards with their blue t-shirts on, the worship leaders, they couldn't do what they were going to do because the presence of God was with them in such a way. Now, I walked into New Community Church, and I didn't see a cloud, just to be honest with you. But what I was exposed to for the first time was this real hunger for the presence of God. I was exposed to this expectancy of God actually coming and meeting with us as we sung. I began to experience a kind of life in worship that I just wasn't used to. I began to experience a spontaneity in worship. It wasn't this routine. We wouldn't go from a song to song to song. I began to experience spiritual gifts in worship. We're going to unpack some of those a little bit later on. But most of all, I began to understand this simple truth that as we meet together right now as the people of God, he comes by his Holy Spirit. And he meets with us. And to be honest, this simple, simple truth changed everything for me when it came to corporate worship. So my experience was this. Someone would grab the mic and begin to do this thing called prophesy, which I'll, I'll explain a little bit later on. He said, the Lord is saying this to us. And we would kind of say, well, what's the Lord saying? This whole nature of the fact that God would speak to us in our worship completely blew my mind. And if I'm honest, it continually blows my mind. Each week, each meeting, the presence of God, God comes and he speaks to us. Whether there's three of us in the room or 300 in the room, God himself, God himself, the God who threw the stars into space, that same God comes to speak to us. The God who created you and me, that same God. You know, and we can come in these doors, can't we? Week in, week out, and we can forget the reality of what we're coming into. As we gather as the body of Christ, God is meeting with us. Words of knowledge come. Um, this is new to me. But someone would say, I, I see a person struggling with this, but God wants to come and, and break into your situation. When I heard stuff like that, just my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with the church suddenly began to make more sense. They became a little bit more intertwined. Not because of something that a famous preacher said on YouTube. Not because of a friendly welcome team in their blue t-shirts. 
but because of this new expression of worship that I was experiencing. So God was taking me on a journey 12 years ago, and it's exactly the same journey that he's taking many of you on right now. And to be honest, I was a little bit weirded out by some of these things when I first heard them. I was a little bit, little bit weirded out. And yeah, I had this choice of, I'm either going to run from this stuff and carry on with the kind of organ stuff that I was used to, or I was going to jump into this stuff. And I chose to ask God to teach me about his Holy Spirit. Dave um, referenced a verse uh, last week from John 4. He says this, in, yeah, we worship in spirit and in truth. And sometimes I think it's easy to understand the truth side of it. It's a little bit more straightforward. We know we want to we worship with truth, don't we? We want to read the Bible and be stirred by the truth we read in the Bible and that helps us worship. We kind of get that. But perhaps what it means to worship in spirit needs a little bit more unpacking from the Bible. Ephesians 2, 19-22. Come on the screen behind me. See if you can um, just see some of the similarities in this in the New Testament as opposed to what we read in the Old Testament a few minutes ago. It says this, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of God. And this is the key bit right here. And in him, you too, so he's talking to you and me, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, unlike that passage in the Old Testament, that's why in the New Testament what it's saying is that Jesus himself is actually building a different kind of temple. He's not talking about a building or a place in a different land somewhere that we have no access to unless we fly there. What he's saying is right now, Jesus is building his temple, not out of bricks and mortar, but out of living stones. We are those living stones. We're the people of God. As we come together, the people of God become this temple, the dwelling place of God. This is in the Bible, the dwelling place of God comes. So every time you meet together, whether you're in church in a hundred-year-old building in Sitka, whether you're in your kitchen and there's, when there's three of us gathered, whether we're in the pub, what, we, what this verse is saying is we're creating an environment in which God wants to come and fill with his presence. Why is that so significant? Chris, why are you laboring that point? You've said this time and time again. Dave touched on this last week. Worship isn't always easy, is it? I don't know about you, but I don't always wake up every morning with this kind of desire to praise God and sing, I surrender all to Jesus. That's not sometimes the first, it is sometimes. It is, it, it's not every single day though, is it? And if we're really honest for a second, life, life can be tough. And sometimes we get hit with some stuff which cause us to not look at him, but look at our situation. Jesus describes the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as our helper. He's here to help us worship. It's the Holy Spirit that wants to glorify Jesus and he helps us do it. John 16, 13 and 14 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. And this is Jesus speaking. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me. The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. John 14, 26 says this. However, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything I've ever told you purpose of the Holy Spirit, this is why this is important, the purpose of the Holy Spirit as we come together worship is, is to help us fix our eyes on Jesus. The Bible says that he is the one that reminds us of all the things that Jesus has done for us. Another thing the Holy Spirit does, he helps us encounter God. 
See, as we glorify Jesus, as we lift up his name, as we worship him, as we make a choice to say to our souls, I'm going I'm to lift my voice to you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and he meets with us. Jesus says this, as I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And then a simple promise comes, which I, I love this verse. It's so simple. If you listen to one thing tonight, go away with this promise. Draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. It's a beautiful promise in Scripture. Draw close to me, Jesus, and I promise to draw close to you. You see, as we come to worship in a corporate setting like this, as we, as we our motive is to glorify Jesus, as we do that, the Holy Spirit helps us encounter the living God. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps us by giving us gifts. And I'm going to spend just the rest of this time just unpacking some of these spiritual gifts, some of these what we call contributions in times of worship. And the passage I'm going to go to is out of a letter that um, Paul was writing to a church, a church in Corinth. And they experienced experiencing these gifts. They're experiencing the presence of God just like we do. And he's writing to them because they're they're Let's say they got a little bit excited about these gifts, and there's no kind of order. Gifts here, and gifts there, and gifts here, and everyone's kind of raising their voice at the same time. No one really understands what's going on. So the, the whole point of Paul's letter is just to bring a little bit of kind of direction into that church. And he's saying, guys, what, well, I'll get to it, but he's, he's bringing, some, uh, bringing some order. So 1 Corinthians 14. We're literally going to read uh, verse 26. There's loads of stuff. And we're just going to break this apart to literally word by word um, and kind of go through these gifts one by one. And I hope, that as, I, as I say this, as, I, as we unpack this truth, I'm just hoping that the Holy Spirit's going to do stuff in our hearts, that this is going to help us worship, that the Holy Spirit's going to give us gifts as we listen to this. It says this, What should we say, brothers or sisters? What should we say, brothers and sisters? Uh, when you come together, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And we're literally going to take it apart bit by bit. What should we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, hit pause. There's this expectation straight away Paul has. He's saying when you come together. He's not saying look, at Christmas time, when you come together at Christmas, or when you come together maybe at Easter. He's saying, guys, when you meet together regularly, you need to come and be expectant of the presence of God. That's why joining and doing things like the DNA course is really good and really helpful. Because it's all about meeting together regularly with the body of Christ. And it goes on and says, when you come together, everyone... I love this. It doesn't say everyone who's been come to church for a few years and feels like they're quite mature as a Christian. It says everyone. Whether you've been a, a Christian for five minutes, five years, 50 years, everyone has something to bring as we come to worship. And for me, that is actually really exciting. For me as a worship leader, that is truly liberating. As a worship leader, our, our job is to fuel the people of God, to fuel you guys with as much truth as we can that's going to help us and stir us and remind us of the things that Jesus has done for us so we'd lift our eyes off us and onto Jesus. But really where, where our role changes is that moment. So two songs. We often start our worship times off with, with two very deliberately picked songs that help us worship, stir us with truth. And at that point, we kind of hand over to you guys. We hand over to the body. It's not about Melinda and a microphone at the front, but it becomes about the body. The, the song, This Is Amazing Grace. We've used that song for probably the last four years in lots of different contexts. And I don't know how you feel about it because we literally have sung it every single week. We sang it three times today like at every meeting I'm in. But you know why we picked that song? 
It's not because it's easy to play, which it is. <laughs> Little secrets of the worship leaders. It's not because it's catchy. It's not because it's got a big chorus. It's not because it's got a wonderful bridge. We pick it because it's jammed full of gospel truth. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Only the king of glory. Who makes the orphan? That's you and that's me. Who makes us sons and daughters? Jesus has the king of glory. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life so that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. It's jam-packed full of gospel truth, so it is quite hard not to use it on a Sunday because we're trying to fuel you guys. We don't pick random songs every week, right? We don't uh, pick our, our favorite songs, or at least I hope we don't. We work hard at picking the right songs for us. But here's the truth. How the worship time goes isn't, isn't down to Melinda. We're going to come and worship a little bit later. How that goes isn't down to Melinda. It doesn't fall on her and her song choices. It doesn't fall on how good the band are and whether we like the style of music. What it falls on is, is us as the people of God because we've each got a part to play. See, my problem with corporate worship as I was growing up is there wasn't really any corporate in it. It was kind of one guy's agenda, and good as his heart and his motive was, it was his list of songs, it was his sermon, he'd lead us in a prayer, he'd tell us to sit down. It was all a, not all about him, he loved Jesus, I loved that guy, but there wasn't any us in it. Paul's saying, when you meet together, don't let this be one guy's agenda. He's saying, John, you have something to bring in worship. He's saying, the guys I can't see at the back because the lights are so bright, you guys have something to bring in worship. Next part of verse 26 says this. Uh, when you come together, everyone has a hymn, a hymn or a song. There's tons of references to singing in the Bible, isn't there? You don't have to look very far to find them. I literally just I've looked a few pages and I kept finding them. It was really easy. Uh, Psalm 47 says this. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our, God, our King. Sing praises. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 96. I come to the Lord and sing. Sing a song. Sing a new song to the Lord. Ephesians 5. Addressing each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. We get the point. Singing is all over the Bible, but it's a wonderful gift that God gives us to be able to express the overflow of our hearts. And I'm gonna now I'm just gonna break things down like really practically. I'm gonna go through these gifts and just explain a little bit about how we use them in worship and how we can expect and what they're for and who has these gifts. So with with singing, there's kind of two ways that we kind of use it, and some of this will be really obvious. So just have them go with me. We, we use it and we sing along to band. The, the band put songs, we put little projection guy on the back, little projection guy on the back. I love you, man. We sing along to lyrics that we, we all do it together, but there's also moments of kind of more spontaneous singing. And we, a worship leader might use this phrase, which I really don't like. It says, let's sing in the spirit together, which is incredibly confusing, isn't it? But what they're meaning is that let's, let's not put lyrics that we all sing together. Let's not feed the same stuff. Guys, why don't we just let our hearts worship Jesus? Why don't we let this overflow out? Why don't we let our own songs and adoration um, to this Jesus? And, and uh, with singing, there's, sometimes God gives a particular person or a person a particular ability to be able to bring a song in a moment that just captures the attention of the whole room and, and fixes our eyes on Jesus. 
We want to we want, want to have more songs in church. I long for the day that, like, to be honest, just to let you into a little secret, us worship leaders, we don't really know what we're doing most of the time. We try to make it look like we do, but most of the time we're just kind of thinking through, I really hope someone brings something because I haven't got a clue what the next song is. I'd love for the day where the moment that we break, there's a whole lot of songs starting out. I love those moments when someone starts singing All Hail the Lamb at the back. And you just feel it in the room. It's not about us. It's not about someone on a guitar, Melinda with a mic. It's about the body worshipping together. We're all worship leaders. We all have a responsibility of bringing stuff. The next thing in Paul's list is a word of instruction. And this kind of links to what we just mentioned about the spirit and truth. Paul's saying we need to um, leave space in our corporate worship time for people to unpack the truth that we're singing about. Not just by singing words on a screen, but unpacking truths from the Bible. Little teaching slots. We kind of, we know teaching is a gift, but actually it's a spiritual gift. And I'm not talking about just coming up and giving a sermon talking about unpacking the Bible. You know, someone comes to the front, they grabs the microphone, they just read a verse, and just in a few words afterwards, they just begin to explain just what these verses are all about. And it just stirs our hearts. Loads of you guys have that gift. Loads of you do, and you, you know you do, because you kind of have that sense sometimes. I really want to bring that verse. I really want to explain that. I just want to encourage you to go for it. A revelation is the next thing in the list. God speaks to us as we worship. God speaks to us as we worship. He doesn't just speak to the worship leader. He doesn't just speak to the, the elders or the leaders or the guys hosting the meeting. He, he speaks to all of us. We've got to learn how to hear the voice of God. Now, there's two parts of this I think are really helpful in just unlocking well, all of the gifts really, but particularly this gift of um, prophecy and revelation. One is that we need to be available for God to use. God just doesn't take control of us. We don't f- suddenly find ourselves praying. We don't suddenly find ourselves at the front with a Bible and a microphone. It, it's all it's us. The Holy, Holy Spirit in us, but it, it's us. We have a choice to do these things. But we want God to know that we're available to be used. If we're not available and we don't tell God we're available, we're not going to be contributing. So if your heart is to want to be a part of the body and, and get involved in this stuff, I have this really simple prayer that I pray. I have the joy of going to lots of our lots of our venues and meetings. And whenever I'm driving somewhere, I'm about to be in a worship time, I have a simple prayer literally is God, I'm I want you to know that I'm available in this time of worship. I want you to know that if you give me something, I'm gonna try and be obedient and go for it. And God loves a willing heart and he responds to it. The second little key I think which is really helpful for unlocking some of these gifts is we need to know what the voice of God sounds like. It says in Habakkuk, I don't know how many times you've read Habakkuk this year. It says this, I will keep watch and see, and see what the Lord has to say for me. We need to learn how to keep watch for the voice of God. Are we keeping watch? When we're standing here worshipping and, and someone picks a song that we don't like very much, or oh, it's this one again, what do we do? Do we, we shut off, don't we? We start thinking about, oh, it's Monday tomorrow, i got to go back to work. Or do we start keeping watch for God is doing in the room? Do we begin to keep watch for what he could be speaking to us about? Elijah says in, in 1 Kings, he describes the voice of God as a still, small voice. I personally find this really helpful in just hearing the voice of God, a still, small voice. That thought that came to your mind as you were worshipping, that word you kept seeing, that verse that you just kept wanting to read in the Bible that you read yesterday, is that the still small voice of God? Is he giving us stuff to bring? 
We need to learn how to keep watch for that word. If you're anything like me, um, stuff will come and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you're just shutting it down, shutting it down. Oh, that's me. I've just created that picture of a tree and the sunset and the flowers. I just love flowers so much. We just need to be available and just when stuff comes, just ask God, God, is that you speaking to me? Is that your still small voice? Another helpful tip, I think, just when it sort of talks about contributing and, and just working out whether to go forward or to do it from my um, where I'm seated. Um, the helpful thing about guys who host the meeting, like John, he is there at the front all the time. He's with the microphone. If you have a sense that God, that you've got something to bring that's going to be encouraging for us as the body, and you, but you're just not sure about timing, not sure if you should do it where you, where you are, come to the front, just come and ask these guys. These guys do this all the time, they're, and they're really nice. They're not going to send you back to your seat. They're like, God, yeah, it's amazing. Let's just wait on it. And I think timing is important. And as we go through a worship time, at the beginning of a worship time, we want to be lifting our eyes to Jesus. We want to focus on him. We want, we want words to come that just like the Psalms that really lift our gaze to Jesus. And then as the worship time goes on, kind of like the, the contributions change a bit. We kind of move away from the, the praise, praise, praise. And we move into more of the kind of prophetic words, God speaking to us. And at the end, it's probably the most appropriate time to have more of a word of knowledge which I'll talk about, I think, in a, um, in a second. Um, but if you're worried about the timing or just want to kind of think it through, come and ask John. He's a nice guy. He's got a new jacket. He's very friendly. The next thing on the list is... Oh, let me talk about prophetic words for a second. Uh, practically, what, what does a revelation um, look like? Or one thing is a prophetic word. One thing kind of is a word of knowledge, and they're quite similar. A prophetic word might sound like, I think God is saying this to us today, and a word of knowledge would probably be a little bit more um, but specific for an individual or a group of individuals. Something like, I feel like God wants to um, come and heal people's right angles. Or, I love those things. I, when those things come, I just, suddenly, I just get excited. As a worship leader, I get excited because it reminds me that, that this isn't like a man-made thing. We're not making all this stuff up. It reminds us that the living God, is, by his Holy Spirit, is stirring things in people's hearts. It's amazing when, when words of knowledge come about people's ankles and then people get prayed for because they come forward and respond and people's ankles get healed. Man, God is good, right? Next thing on the list is a tongue or interpretation. And the gift of tongues is a wonderful gift. I love the gift of tongues. I haven't always spoken in tongues. Um, God gave me this gift of tongues about five years ago. That's what tongues sounds like. And I just want to I want to um, just bring a little bit of clarity to it because there's a lot of there can be a lot of confusion about the gift of tongues. Um, when I speak in tongues, I, I am in complete control over what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit isn't taking control of my mouth and I uncontrollably can't um, stop speaking in tongues. It doesn't work like that. It's a gift. And I think the best way of describing it is, you know, when you, when you try and explain to someone how you feel or you're trying to explain that you're passionate about a particular football team but you just can't find the words so you start saying really quickly, the gift of tongues is basically a way of being able to, ex it's not a football, express, your, express yourself to God without the limitations of the English language. It's a wonderful gift. Paul encourages us. If you speak in tongues, speak in tongues all the time. Speak in tongues in the shower. Speak in tongues on your way to work. Speak, when you're driving, speak in tongues. It's a wonderful gift. It's just helpful for just overflowing of our love and adoration for Jesus. There's just to kind of 
think practically of how tongues, and I'll talk about interpretation in a minute, how that's used in a meeting as kind of, as like a best way of describing it, it's kind of a personal tongue, which my own worship to Jesus, the same one as I do in the car as I stand there and I start praying or singing in tongues as Melinda's leading in worship. And occasionally there's um, what we'd kind of, I don't know if this is the best way of describing it at all, but like a public tongue. And just like God gives certain people a particular gift to be able to bring a song that captures our attention and fixes our eyes on Jesus, there's a, a it's kind of like it's the same thing for a tongue. God gives people a particular ability to, to bring a tongue in a moment that when the interpretation comes, suddenly as a room, we're just caught up in this truth about who Jesus is. Now, Paul, as I mentioned earlier, Paul is writing this letter to a church that um, were experiencing all these gifts in abundance, shall we say. In their excitement of, of experiencing these gifts, everything had got a little bit chaotic. So there was tongues and interpretations and, and prophecies and people bringing songs all around the room. Everything was a bit chaotic and loud. Um, Paul's basically saying that, guys, if, if you can't really hear what's going on, this kind of stuff isn't actually very helpful for you. you stop shouting over each other. Let's go one by one by one. When the interpretation comes, the, often, often the mistake is the, the interpretation isn't a translation. It's not like Google Translate. We don't put it into the, the computer and get a word-by-word word, uh, translation. It's an interpretation. So it's the kind of gist, the theme, the summary of what the person's heart um, was expressing to God. And if um, someone brings a sung tongue, you know what that sounds like? happens pretty often in Scott Church. Um, we wait for the interpretation. The interpretation doesn't have to be sung. I think that's just a common, like, I think God's given the gift of interpretation to lots of people in this room. Lots of you have this, but when it comes to the song, we can feel a bit nervous. I get a bit nervous, and I'm a worship leader, and I sing all the time about the pitch and getting the, getting the sound of my voice right. We, um, then we kind of dismiss ourselves. If someone brings a sung tongue, the interpretation doesn't have to be sung. What's important is not the, the method of how, what, what that person is communicating. It is what that person is communicating. So I want to encourage us. Because I know God's given this gift to lots of people. And it'd be wonderful if we really went for it and didn't feel we had to hold back because it was a song. Does that make sense? A friend of mine, um, Gordon Phillips, I know lots of you will know him. Um, he goes to the Eltham uh, venue and he was in the band uh, Ashburnham a few weeks ago. And he, he bought a sung, uh, sung tongue, which is actually quite hard to say. A sung tongue. Um, and interpretation came. It's one of those songs that just, and he brings them all the time on New Community, just, just really helped us, uh, the whole room, to fix our eyes on Jesus, all this particular aspect of his, his character. And we, but we didn't think any more of it. And then later in the week, a lady called Sonia, who also goes to the Elton venue, um, went out to Gordon and said, Gordon, I don't suppose you know, do you, do you speak Spanish at all? And Gordon was like, mm, no, I don't speak Spanish. Um, it turns out that he was using this phrase I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head, but that was was perfect Spanish and that was really connecting with her as she was worshipping. So out of Gordon's availability and telling God that I want to be a part of this worship time and then him bringing this, this tongue, he didn't even know it, but he was encouraging someone else in a really insane way. Like To be honest, I don't really, I don't really understand how this all works. I think that's okay because we see it in the Bible. And we're okay when we see things happen in the Bible. I'd love that kind of stuff to happen more and more in Siskel Church. People bring tongues and songs. And Nepalese people sit at the back say, did you know you were speaking Nepalese? Because you, you know what I mean? These gifts are amazing. These gifts are for, for our good to encourage us. 
at the end of that verse it says, all this must be done for the strengthening of the church. So here's the question. Why, why use these gifts? Why do we contribute? Is it because it makes us feel good? Do, do we feel a bit proud after we've been a part of the meeting? No, well, we do it for God, firstly. We do it to express our love and devotion to him. A big part of this also is actually being obedient with what he entrusts us. But secondly, as this verse suggests, we do it for actually the people sitting to our left and to our right. These gifts are for our benefit. We do it to encourage the worship of others. We do it for the sake of the body. The Bible often uses the word edify to describe this. And what that means, we don't really use the word edify very often. It means to build up or to encourage. These gifts are for our encouragement. I'll give you a practical example. If um, God gives Tony uh, a, a word that maybe Tony's going to come and heal um, Becky of something, top of my head, but Tony doesn't share it with Becky, who is the one that misses out? It's not Tony that misses out, it's Becky. And out of God's grace, whether Tony says or not, I would imagine God will come and heal Becky anyway. But what a joy it is for Tony to be able to use in this worship time. I think gifts of the spirit they can they can sound like a almost like a duty or quite heavy as if we you have to do this we don't have to do any of this stuff we get to use this stuff you know we also we don't escalate these things what we're and we're going to come and worship in a minute what we're looking for when we come to worship is is not that we do all of these gifts and we tick every box and then we go home what we're looking for is the worship of jesus what we're looking for is exalting his name. What we're looking for is us joining together as the people of God and celebrating everything that he's done in us. But the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts to help us worship. Melinda, do you, wanna, do you guys want to hop back on? We're going to come and worship and we're going to put some of this stuff to the test a little bit. But like I just said, this is not about gifts. This is about the worship of Jesus. If we, when the bands strike up in a few minutes' time and no gifts come at all and we just worship Jesus, like massive thumbs up. That's what we've come to do. But we get to use this stuff. Should we stand together? I just know as we meet together, God is collectively putting things in our hearts. He's constantly meeting with us right at the front, at the back, at the left, at the right. He's giving us words and pieces of teaching, pieces of insight, maybe... Uh, pieces of scripture that we've read earlier in the week, words of knowledge for people, but because we haven't learned yet how to keep watch for the voice of God, these things tend to not be shared, and we miss what God wants to do in the room. I want to challenge us a little bit tonight. I want to challenge us to really ask God to speak to us. I want to challenge us to go for it when he gives us stuff. And you might be, just in the next 20 minutes as we, as we worship, that you might just want to fix your eyes on Jesus, to thank him for his presence, and that is, that is great. For others, you're going to use this time as an opportunity to really step into some of these gifts for the first time. Maybe God's going to give you a particular scripture to bring, maybe a word of revelation or prophecy will come to mind. There's no pressure to use these guys, but we get to use them. We don't, we don't even become, we don't become better Christians if we use these gifts. Jesus certainly doesn't love us any more or any less if we don't use them. 
just for those of us who have been using these gifts for a, a little bit of time, what normally happens in moments like this is that we all go quiet and we kind of wait for those who haven't spoken in tongues before, hasn't brought a contribution. I, I don't want that to be the case. We don't graduate from the gifts of the Spirit. God's, God wants to use us. He wants to grow all of us. So I just want to encourage you, don't, don't switch off in this time of worship. Let's collectively come and just ask God to speak to us. I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship.